I want to begin with some trivia today. So finish this statement. If John Lennon and... No. (laughs) You'll see why. Definitely no. Somebody else to do with John Lennon. John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Thank you. We found love. Rihanna and... Calvin Harris. Keith Richards and... Mick Jagger, the Rolling Stones. The Monster, Eminem and... Rihanna, Peter, well done, thank you. My personal favourite. Boy With Love, BTS and... Goodness me. Yeah, Yeah, well, that's not... This is the point, this one. This is an amazing collaboration. BTS and Halsey, or Halsey, however she likes to have her name pronounced... Uh, Benny and no (laughs) goodness me her mother was the problem this morning too Uh, Benny and (laughs) no that's a possibility but we're in you should have got the idea we're in the music area so not the ice cream area (laughs) that's a different category but yeah it's true isn't it yep yep got to really pay that Jed Um, no Put you out of your misery. Benny and Bourne, they're the great songwriters of all the ABBA songs, um, for example. All right. Tones and... That's a bit of a trick, really. It's the same person. But anyway. Famous songwriting partnerships or collaborations. Maybe music's not your thing. What about comedy? This was for your grandparents. Laurel and Hardy, yep. For your father, Roy and... HG, and for you, Hamish and Andy, of course. What about crime fighters? Batman and Harry, Ron and... Yeah, I reckon. Harry, Ron and Hermione, sort of crime. Yep. He's a pretty bad guy, pretty evil, isn't he? Um, Voldemort. What about uh, famous political partnerships? Hawk and... Keating, yep. Last one, Howard and Costello, that's right, yep. All of these are examples of partnerships and, of course, you can have legal, accounting and medical partnerships in business as well. It's from business we get formal definitions like a partnership is when two or more parties formally agree to manage and operate a business and share its profits. But you can generalise, can't you, to capture what's going on when songwriters or singers and sports people, spouses are described as partners. In in cases like this, they, they bring their skills and their resources to produce something they couldn't on their own. It can all be very complex, but at the very heart of all those relationships is working together to achieve a particular goal. And so... I want to suggest to you tonight that you should see yourself as a partner when it comes to belonging to church. There are other important Bible words like church, assembly, bride, and especially body of Christ. And we we add in congregation. But partnership is the word the Apostle Paul uses to describe the mutual involvement of the Christians in Philippi with himself 
and his team in the spread of the gospel or the message about Jesus Christ. It's a partnership that Paul sees all the Christians at Philippi sharing in, and he writes to urge them to keep working at. And you can tell that it's all the Christians and not just some specially trained or gifted ones if you look at verse 1 of chapter 1 there in Philippians. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Paul and his right-hand man, Timothy, you notice there, are writing to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, including their specially selected leaders, the overseers and deacons. That's just a way of saying all the Christian people. And they're holy because God has set them apart through faith in Jesus to be his obedient people. Holy just means set apart. It carries with it a sense too of um, a a different moral directions as well. So Christians are the people set apart through our commitment to Jesus, leading us to have a determination to, to serve him, and by what has been done for us through the death of Jesus in, in saving us from our sins. Now, some of you might have an older translation of the Bible where in verse 1 it, it says to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi. Now, the actual original word can be translated saints, but the reason our latter Bible translations, like our church Bibles, substitute all God's holy people is because for us, saints is misleading. We've had centuries of church history where especially the Roman Catholic Church and the Anglican Church have given the title saint only to specially honoured people. It makes you think if you, that Paul's only speaking to really, really specially gifted people or amazing miracle workers. But that's not true. If you're a Christian, you're a saint. You're one of God's holy people. Not because of anything particularly impressive about you, but because Jesus has died for your sin and by your faith you've become righteous and been transferred to God's people. We're all saints. There's two applications of us all being saints that I don't want to make, though. I don't want us to start addressing each other as Saint Amelia, Saint Hannah, Saint David, Saint Peter. There is one of those, but you're not it. Uh, I don't want us also to rename our church to God's holy person Mark's Anglican Church, Freshwater. We'll leave it as it is as well. But one application we definitely all need to make is to see that we, like the Philippians, are each one of God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Freshwater. And that means then that we need to see each of ourselves as partners in the growth of the gospel. And so that's my first point today. Recognize you're a partner in the gospel. Well, if you're a partner in the gospel, who are your fellow partners? Well, obviously everyone else at St. Mark's, but I want to get you to think a bit more broadly because other Christians outside of St. Mark's that we as a church or you as a private Christian support in the growing of the gospel, they're also your partners. So on our church website, we list our mission partners. And if you were to look on that list, you'd see Pedro and Joy Oliveira Woolmer working with, in Uruguay with CMS. You'd see Kurt and Beck Langmead working in Lightning Ridge, with, supported by BCA and with the Diocese of Armadale. 
you'd see Anglican Aid, which through their various projects, which we have supported some of them, they relieve needs and also uh, are growing churches. You'd see Anchor RE, who we prayed for tonight because we want to support the ministry of uh, RE in the three high schools, McKellar Girls, Balgala Boys and Manly High. You'd see Freshwater Surf Club Chaplaincy with Andrea Bohm and Mark Gilbert. You'd see Anglicare, where our constantly overflowing clothing bins raise funds for some of Anglicare's good caring ministries. And we're about to run the toy and food collection for Anglicare. You'd see Pado and Dagmar in Chile. And you'd see, of course, Lisa Boyd, our chaplain at the Northern Beaches Hospital. They're our partners, our uh, away from our immediate church. They're our partners in the gospel. Well, as we think about partnership and being partners, there's two things to learn from Paul's letter to the Philippians, to, his, to the partners in the growth of the gospel tonight. They form my other two points for this talk. Firstly, be joyful about your partners in the gospel. And secondly, be prayerful for your partners in the gospel. Joy is something we really need after three weeks in the book of Lamentations. We've had three weeks without much joy. It never promised much joy coming up to three weeks in Lamentations. So it's no coincidence that I've chosen Philippians and Paul's, with its frequent references to joy, to take us up to Christmas. You notice it opens with the joy. Verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Notice what gives Paul joy is that the Philippians are in a partnership in the gospel with him. It's a partnership they've shared since their first days of becoming Christians. You'll have noticed that in our reading, that the first reading Beck brought us from Acts, that Lydia, on becoming a Christian, was very quick to offer hospitality to Paul and his companions. And that was obviously a help to them in their mission while they spent a few days in Philippi. Now, Paul at this point could have just um, applauded the Philippians. He could have just thanked them for their partnership because obviously um, they're doing the work. But notice that he first thanks God. Well, why does he, he do that? It's because God is obviously at work by his spirit in leading people like Lydia to respond to the gospel message. It's God who's begun a good work in them, verse 6. And God is still working in them. So Paul thanks God. And Paul's got confidence that God's going to continue to work so that the Philippians will ultimately be part of the congregation of believers when Jesus returns. Paul is so thankful for their partnership. What are the ways in which the Philippians have expressed their partnership in the growth of the gospel with Paul? Well, one of the obvious ways you find when you read in Philippians, particularly in chapter 4, is that they have financially supported Paul's ministry. And Paul, part of his reason for writing, is to actually thank them for, for sending the gift. Paul's in prison when he writes. We think he's in Rome. And he actually gets their gifts because they send a guy called Epaphroditus to deliver the support gift. But there's something else about Epaphroditus that shows part of the support the Philippians give him. Have a look at chapter 3, verse 25. Look what he says. 
Epaphroditus, whom you sent to take care of my needs. If you've ever seen uh, those reports about the conditions of Australians who get arrested for drug smuggling and get put in prison in um, Southeast Asian prisons, and they're pretty horrible places to be. You know, it's not like our prisons where they get three good meals a day and and there's various uh, courses to do and and other um, and leisure activities as well. I'm not saying it's easy to be in prison, but it's easier relatively than some of these prisons that some people end up in Southeast Asia where unless you've got family members coming and bringing you food, you don't get food or what you get is, is barely able to be lived on. It would have been like that in Paul's day. So... Epaphroditus is uh, helping out Paul he's in really, really practical ways. In fact, when you read in chapter 3, he nearly dies. In his, I don't, I don't, we don't really know what happens. Maybe he just gets really sick with some disease that you probably pick up in prisons like that. The man nearly dies. He is, on behalf of the Philippians, sharing in partnership in Paul's ministry. We also learn that the Philippians pray for Paul. And we see here in chapter 1 that he prays for them. And there's another way in which the Philippians share in their partnership with Paul in the growth of the gospel. And it's not as um, materially obvious, but it's more important. And it's by their own efforts to proclaim and live for Jesus in Philippi. So, for example, I want you to see that at the end of chapter 1, have a look at verse 27. Verse 27 at the end of chapter 1. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Notice how Paul is encouraging them to boldly strive together as one for the faith of the gospel. Paul's preaching Jesus, we'll see next week, he's preaching Jesus while he's in prison in Rome, there to keep speaking and living for Jesus in Philippi. And, and, and they doing that is an aspect of them playing their role as partners in the growth of the gospel. And all these things... They speaking for Jesus, they sending money, they praying, they living for Jesus. All these things give Paul great reason for joyful thanksgiving. And that's what he explains in verse 7. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I'm in chains, in prison, or defending and confirming the gospel, out of prison, all of you share in God's grace with me. Paul views his ministry as a gift or grace from God and therefore he's thankful that the Philippians either directly or indirectly share in this ministry, this ministry of evangelism, he calls it defending, and this ministry of strengthening believers which he calls confirming the gospel there in verse 7. The Philippians are sharing in the growth of the gospel in people's lives. No wonder Paul feels such affection for, for them. He's full of joy over his Philippian partners in the gospel. It's a miracle of God's work that the Philippians have become Christians and they're now Paul's partners in all the ways we've seen. So thank God. 
I hope you can see that as you're a partner in the gospel with other brothers and sisters at St Mark's, as well as with our link missionaries, then that is something for joy. You know it's a miracle of God's work that any of us are in this church, that our hearts could be so changed that in the face of our culture, we would still recognise that Jesus is the saviour we need and the Lord that we should follow. That's not logical, yet it has happened. It's happened because of the spirit of God at work in us. So thank God for each of your partners in the gospel. Now I know that from time to time, one person will give another person reason to grumble or be disappointed or maybe even worse, hurt greatly. Now Paul's going to deal with how that sort of behaviour can damage a partnership and spoil the unity of the partnership. He's going to deal with that, particularly in chapter 2 and in a little and partly in a prayer we'll look at in a moment. But right now, give thanks for everyone who partners with you in the growth of the gospel by the things, by just showing up at church or on Zoom by ministry up front like our musicians and Peter leading tonight, by their giving to just keep us having our buildings and to be able to employ me and, and Lisa and next year Brian so we can step aside from our paid work and give more time to defending and conform, confirming the gospel. People who are partners by their prayers for all the things we do, people who act as partners in their various non-Sunday ministries, like Lights, like the Third Friday. People who, uh, you don't know it, but they privately check in with others to see how they're travelling when, when they have particular needs. There's so many things, many things people do that express their partnership in the Gospel, and I haven't listed even a quarter of them. So be joyful. It's wonderful that that happens. So I'm going to pause right now and ask you to thank God for someone in the church. Thank you, God, that they're one of God's holy people and that they share in this ministry of growing the gospel here at St Mark's. Think of a person. If you can't see anyone, just look around. In. Some partnerships are amazing for how long they endure. So there's the songwriting partnership of possibly one of the most famous in the world of Elton John. You've heard of Elton John, but you might not have heard of Bernie Taupin. Elton John and Bernie Taupin have been writing hits for over 50 years. Bernie writes the lyrics and Elton writes the music. Elton John once commented, without Bernie Taupin, there would be no Elton John. It seems that the only thing that's going to break that partnership is going to be sickness or death. But we know that partnerships in music, in sport, in business, they collapse. Normally, because a disagreement occurs and the partners can't work out things for the sake of of the bigger goal. The, the petty grievances, the thoughtless response, the selfish actions end up becoming such a focus that they can't get past it. It's very sad and it's not uncommon. We shouldn't be surprised that 
there might be disagreement and tension in a gospel growth partnership. And Paul knows from bitter experience how that can happen. So he prays. So the next thing he does in his letter is he prays for his Philippian partners and his prayers there in verses 9 to 11. Basically, his prayer is for God to grow their love for others in the congregation at Philippi and people like Paul who are elsewhere, grow their love for them to a deeper knowledge of what is the best way to act and speak in any situation. And the result of that will be be that their lives will be marked by a purity of heart and blameless action toward others. And, And, of course, that's how Christians should be, isn't it? It's the direction we all need to grow in. Not only because it'll be good for our partnership in the gospel if we grow better at loving others, but just because we're Christians... We've been made righteous in God's eyes through the death of Jesus who's died for our sins and so the fruit of the righteousness we have in Jesus uh, demands that we grow more and more pure and blameless, that we grow more and more loving. It's interesting. Think about what Paul's doing here. You might think if we want to grow the gospel... What Wouldn't it be best if uh, we grew in our ability to explain the gospel to outsiders? Wouldn't it be best if we grew in our ability um, and our technology to produce really good, uh, engaging audiovisual clips for people? Wouldn't it be good if we people grew in their ability to organise our church and mobilise everybody for ministry? Yes, all that would be good, but more important, you see here, is that we grow in love, that we abound, that, it's a great word, abound more and more in a love that's so deep for others that, that, that we will know the best way to act. So pray for each other. Pray for me. Pray for Pedro and Joy. Pray for Lisa. Pray for Kurt and Beck. Pray for members of St Mark's other congregations, people you don't know. Because that's the beauty of this prayer. You don't need to know what's happening in someone's life to pray for them that their love might abound more and more so they'll know how to act blamelessly. Can you see how, from the point of view of a partnership in the gospel, growing in our love so that we, we act blamelessly is going to really help it, is going to be the, the first thing you need. When I think of our parish council, two of whom are sitting in front of me here, three actually, uh, one is hiding. Um, if we couldn't get on, if, if they argued and didn't listen to each other, if they didn't have love, it'd be a mess. We'd achieve nothing. Um, and it's just that truth spreads itself across in every ministry of our church. The churches that are most ineffective in their ministry of growing the gospel are the churches that have split and are fighting over some issue and sadly that happens from time to time. Thankfully not here because people love each other. Let's keep praying. Let's keep praying that our love would abound more and more in knowledge so that depth of insight so that we know what's the right thing to do, the blameless and pure thing to do in how we treat 
each other. So right now, I want to ask you to pray for whichever, whoever partner you thanked God for just a moment ago. Pray that God would work so much in them that their love would abound more and more so they'll know how to act blamelessly in any situation. If you've got the passage still open, you might just use those words in that prayer there. Take a moment. Amen. Our partnership will be better if we're all growing in such love that we know how to act blamelessly in any situation. May God make